Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of What's the Point Podcast. So excited to be here with you uh, again. Guys, we've got a wonderful group of panelists, of guests here that we can pick their brains and learn from their combined wisdom of um, awesomeness that we have here. As usual, guys, I'm Pastor Lawrence. I'm so excited to be with you today. Uh, We have a wonderful group here, so I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Taking myself off mute, which is what we all, the first thing we do in any uh, video and audio conference. But hi, I'm, I'm Marty Nystrom. I am a product director for cybersecurity products at Cisco. Hey, everyone. It's Ross Bradley here. I work as a financial analyst for the AICPA, which is an international accounting organization. Hi, everyone. My name is Sandra Truitt. I also work for the AICPA, but I specialize in helping tax CPAs future-proof their businesses. Wonderful. Well, guys, we're so glad. I'm so blessed to have all of you guys. One, blessed to have you guys a part of Waypoint. I love you guys, and you guys are wonderful people, but also blessed to have you guys today as part of this podcast. Our topic today is something that's simple yet also confusing, uh, something that I think a lot of Christians have had a hard time wrapping their heads around, is where does work fit into the Christian life? You know, this idea of career, of work, of of your job, um, how does that work with you're being a Christian, the call to the gospel, the call to the kingdom advancing. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think a lot of times what people have had in America, this idea of almost a, a separation of like, okay, well, I'm a Christian on Sunday, but the rest of the week is work and then family's on the weekend. You know, and so this idea of like a separate life or the confusion of how to intertwine our lives and this idea of work and worship and all this kind of stuff, it's been a difficult topic. So I guess I want to start off by asking each of you guys as people who have uh, who are passionate about your work, but also passionate about God, how do you understand work um, as a career, work as something that you do, you spend most of your life doing it, how do you understand in light of what God's calling you to do as a person? And Ross, I'll ask you to start off by answering that question. Sure. Thanks, Lawrence. I think this is a really important question because the majority of people in our church listening to this, uh, like you said, do work uh, a traditional job, work, you know, is a a key part of their life, um, or just stay busy during the day. So for some people, their work is staying home with the kids, which uh, so I hear is just as much a job as as any other job. But I think there can be two extremes that I I know you appreciate tension, Lawrence, so I use that, that those extremes as, as helpful diagnostics. For me, I really do believe like our work is worship. And, you know, whatever we do, we're meant to worship God, whether it's word or deed. Um, we're supposed to work heartily, Colossians 3 says, as for the Lord and not for man. Um, but for some people, I think they only think that their work is worship and there's never any idea about, you know, like you said, gospel advancement. The other extreme would be only missionary only ministry things are uh important to the lord and he doesn't care about anything else that's what is most important to him um now both of those things have elements of truth but those are two kind of extremes that i use to see uh, how am i doing in terms of viewing my work yes as worship to the lord um but also not worshiping the work and how do i make sure that i'm uh, also seeking to advance the gospel because of course we know jesus he didn't uh he didn't die on a cross for the work that I do, but he, he loves the people uh, that I have access to through my work. So using those two extremes has been helpful for me. Um, and sometimes I'm straying toward one side or the other, but hopefully that's helpful uh, for people. Sandra. Thanks Ross for sharing those um, two viewpoints. And I can actually relate because early on in my career, I just really struggled because I thought, well, 
I'm not necessarily like a, a missionary across the, uh, you know, across the country or somewhere else overseas, or I don't necessarily work for a nonprofit organization that's feeding children. And so I struggled with this early on in my career. And I came to realize that um, really a, a good part and all parts of my vocation is not about me. What I happen to do for a living to um, glorify God and to use the skills and knowledge that he's equipped me with uh, really has little to nothing to do with me and everything about him. And I just think of Paul who says, um, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians, who basically says, who are we at all? Who am I to question God's plans for my life? Who am I to question God about anything? And so I very quickly came to realize that um, what I do for a vocation can simply be another channel through which I spread um, the truth and spread his love to others, as, as Ross mentioned. So it's very much a channel, um, regardless of whether I'm a teacher or whether I do what I do or whether I'm you know, working in a hospital or whether I'm staying at home with children, you know, whatever that chosen vocation is, you know, given a lot of prayer should be something all about glorifying God. And he can use that channel um, to spread his mission and to grow um, and make disciples. Marty? Well, let's not forget we're here to make money. And <laughs> and so I, I make money, right? And I make as much money as I possibly can. And part of that's been because I've been the sole provider of a family of six since 1990. Um, part of this, uh, Sandra, you tell me you're getting background noise. Are you getting it from me? Are, you, are we Not getting a lot of background noise? There's running water in the back. There is running water in the back. But here, well, if I can turn it off. Let's see. All right, I'll turn it off. And let's see if this makes the sound any better, okay? Um, but we're, we're here to make money. I've been making money since 1990, making as much as I can. Now, what does that allow me to do? It means that uh, my wife could be home with our kids. We homeschooled for a lot of years. And that allowed us to build a worldview in them. We felt like we could influence. We could make sure that they were learning and growing in Christ. That was a priority to us. Um, and then in later years, it meant that I could help decide where they would go to school and what their secondary education looked like. And now as they're grown, I have one left in college, um, it also means I can give. And, and of course, I've been giving all, all along the way, but now I'm getting more excited uh, about giving because it means I can give to the church and I can give to missions. And I can really think about and give thanks to God at the end of the year that we were able to give this much to these causes to help these people. And that's kingdom work. That's work of changing lives in Christ's name. And uh, I'm excited about that. You know, I love, Marty, that you, you hit on this idea that it looks different, you know, in regards to different ways of viewing. I think the three of us, three of you guys came up with different ways of looking upon what the idea of work is. We talked about one is the tension of wrestling between this gospel call to evangelize all nations at the same time doing work well. Sandra, you talked about this idea of, of, of worshiping through whatever God's gifted you and strengthened you and doing what he's called you to in your vocation to do. And Marty, you talked about this beautiful idea of, of you know, God's giving you something, a way to provide. You know, it, without those provisions, so much of what, all that we need, it takes all of these elements of work um, to understand and to accomplish the mission that God has for us. So I, I think it's a beautiful illustration of the way you three answered that question. It's a beautiful illustration of the actual picture of the body of Christ. 
right? How it takes all the different pieces working together and coming together. One of the questions I want to ask is, um, and I, I didn't prepare you guys for this one. I'm sorry, but I just I just thought of it. Is you talked about calling and vocation um, and job, and some of you might be called to like some people like myself who are called to professional ministry, you know, versus others who are called to, um, working at an accounting firm or you know whatever it may be. How do you how do you kind of figure out the call if that makes sense, Sandra? Well, I'll start with that one, Lawrence. Thanks. Um, I think part of this is understanding why. Why are we called? And I think we see very clear um, at the end of Matthew that we are called to make disciples. Um, and there is no scripture saying, Lawrence, you should be a preacher. And, uh, you know, Ross, you should be a financial analyst. Unfortunately, because some of us have struggled with that. And maybe it would be easier if we had it in writing, right? Um, but let's not forget the why, which is we are called um, by Jesus and instructed to make disciples. So that would be something to consider. And then really, as far as what am I going to choose once I know that I'm called, how am I going to choose? Am I going to choose to go into this profession that God is leading me in towards where he has gifted me and skilled me? And what am I going to do with that? Am I going to use that for personal gain only? As Martin talked about making money, that's a that's a good goal. Um, but is that going to be my primary driver? Is my primary driver going to be success? Is my primary driver going to be power or perhaps a title or a bigger house um, or better cars? Or is my driver to really be a follower of Jesus, which would be making disciples? So I think a lot of it comes down to attitude and really where our heart is found. That's great. No, no, I love. Let's go back to that point of making money. I know that's uh, it's a it's an interesting way because I love the way almost tongue in cheek the way you said that, Marty. You kind of like the goal is to make, that's what we do have job. It's true, but there's a difference between I think making money and choosing the motivations of what what happens with that money, right? There's a difference between um, making a lot of money, like you said, because you you found I love how you said this. You found later that the the joy of giving. You know, you kind of talked about how grateful you are to be able to give in a different manner now. Um, what does that look like then? As, as, as you're making more money, how do you, how do you wrestle with uh, keeping up with the Joneses? How do you wrestle with the temptation? You're, you're doing better to not spend more or be, be caught up in that world of excess or consumerism. What is it? Um, what do you do to, to not make making money to be your end all goal so that you can spend more, but instead maybe making money so you can give more or whatever it may be. I, I think for me personally, it is, it is just, I, I wish I had a, a, a system for you, right? But it's just, if I'm in the word, if I'm looking at my neighbors and the world, and maybe this is the, one of the, the answers here, gratitude, mm. thankfulness, Right that when we make our prayers and petitions with thanksgiving, when and we're thinking about the things we want and need, but we do that with thanksgiving. If we, if we ruminate on gratitude, it's hard to be, it's not, not that hard, but it's, it's hard to be dissatisfied with what we have because I feel so blessed and blessed beyond what I deserve, right? Where it's like, wow, this is way more than I deserve, especially knowing how some people go without. So I think gratitude is really the key there to make sure that that is what I'm thinking about and very deliberately praying gratitude back to God 
And that should help keep us from keeping up with the Joneses too much. That's great, Marty. I love that. Uh, I, I think another thing for me is defining giving in a way just beyond uh, money. So our time, our talent, our treasures, of course, it has to be an alliteration, right? Uh, but I think it's helpful sometimes to, to not just say, I don't just go to work to get the paycheck to then go give to other people who are doing the work. I also have time that I can give and I also have talents that I can give to advance God's kingdom to meet the needs of my neighbor around me. Uh, and I think defining giving in, in those ways really does empower people, especially those who maybe money is a bit tight for them. They, they have you know time that they can give. Uh, they might have incredible talents that they can use to serve. And um, yeah, so I think defining giving in a more holistic way can be really helpful to empower people to, to feel like they have something to contribute. Um, yeah. Sandra? And um, Martin, I want to go back to something that you said, which was just talking about gratitude. And the word I think of is just humility and realizing that nothing I have is mine. My job is not mine. My skills are not mine. The assets that I have are just something God is temporarily lending to me. So it's not like, oh, look at what I accomplished in my job and this bigger paycheck that I have. It's like, recognizing that it's God's work, which can be partly blessing through, you know, financial blessing. And it's really his ability that's gotten me to, to the place that I am economically. Um, one of the things that um, J.D. Greer says that I love, it's really just stuck with me, is that God doesn't increase my pay so that I can increase my standard of living. Instead, he does it so I can in- increase my standard of giving. And A few years ago, I actually had to go back and really check myself from a financial standpoint and say, am I living in an economic way that's really glorifying God as if these are his assets? Because they are. And am I really giving enough? What is the magic number? And I think my go-to guide is the Holy Spirit. It starts with prayer about being prudent, but also saying, what God, what would you have me give of not only my finances, but Ross, like you said, your, your talent um, and your time. And it's funny because I have a friend, I was just talking to her and she literally feels guilty for buying butter for her bread because she's like, I don't need this butter. I could give it to someone else. Like I can survive on this bread, you know? So there is not a fine line. And I wouldn't want to put out there that everybody has, you know, that I have the perfect answer. I don't, but the Holy spirit does. And he will, without a doubt, guide you um, really on what it means. And I think part of this just takes us to denying ourselves, right? So what does it mean to deny ourselves and follow Christ? And one thing I just wanted to share is um, before we go to the next question is, um, I don't know if any of you have read his books, but Kyle Eidelman has a book called Not a Fan, where basically he talks about the difference between being a fan of God versus being a follower And one quote that really struck me was that um, he, he says this, the reason Jesus is so adamant about followers surrendering everything is because the reality is this. The one thing that we're most reluctant to give up is usually the one thing that has the most potential to become a substitute for Jesus. So just thinking about that and how, even through our finances, even through our daily, you know, at, at work, how we are supposed to deny ourselves. 
um, and follow him. And I would just say, you know, let the Holy Spirit guide you on that. Um, and sometimes that can be an uncomfortable, uncomfortable thing to explore. But a lot of peace comes after it, knowing that you are humbly approaching this and saying, this is not mine. This is God's. And I trust him to guide me on this. Mm, that's so good because I love when people often ask me that question, they, they often want a simple formula, like your income divided by this, uh, divided by that, that, but you know, they, they want that formula. And I'm like, I got no formula except for the Holy Spirit for you, because sometimes God wants you to live a certain way. God's called you to certain things that it's just different from other people. You can always give more and you can always spend more. There's just no answer. And Ross, you you know, you told me how you love the tension. I love the tension. You know, God calls us to live in tension of just pure gratitude and enjoyment of the good gifts he's given us. But he's also called us to live in the tension of um, sacrificial living and giving. And I think one of the biggest temptations that we have, especially when you become more and more successful, is honestly is this idea that I earned, I'm better, I did more. And on top of that, this idea of it's no, nothing's ever enough. I think the beautiful thing that he's given us is gift of being able to give helps us to say, no, uh, this is not mine. You know, just like everything you guys have said, this this discipline of giving helps us to really put into focus um, who we are and what he's called us to be a part of. So I think that's incredible. Thank you guys for sharing that. That's just really powerful. Um, one of the questions I have is we talk about often the workplace as being a place of, of, of a kind of a mission field. You know, like your, your workplace, your mission field. Um, how's that been for you guys? If those of you who maybe work at a job or place that, that, that has people, you know, a lot of places around you, how, what's that like viewing or sharing the gospel? Are you able to share the gospel at work? What's it like living as a Christian at work? Do people know you're a Christian at work? Um, and then if also, if you work at home, what does that look like for you For if you work at home? Ross? I could jump in here. This is an awesome, awesome question. I think one thing that the Lord really convicted me of is I just assumed based on what I heard from other people and kind of the unspoken atmosphere, I guess, in, in not just the company I work for now, but in general, that, uh, you know, you can't, you better watch what you say. HR's you know, going to be knocking on your door as soon as you say something that, uh, that might offend someone. But you know what I found is actually I was personally, I'm not putting this on anyone else. I was using HR as an excuse to not being a faithful representative of Jesus. Of course, there's wisdom in how you share and, and doing it in a loving and winsome way. But again, just for me, the Lord really showed me that I was using that as an excuse. So what I found was that my coworkers were very open about all kinds of things that I wouldn't ask. They wouldn't ask me permission to share about their exploits from the weekend and all these things that they did. And I, I was confused by why I had to ask permission to share uh, my wonderful weekend that I had with the saints, the body of Christ, uh, and spending time with the Lord. So I think as I just started to be a little more transparent, I found that people were, were open to having conversations that as I just started to, if someone shared a, a broken situation they're going through, offering prayer, people were incredibly open to that. And I actually, I've never once had anyone turn down an offer for prayer when I've asked them uh, in person or on a Zoom, uh, Zoom call or meeting. And so I think I was amazed to see the openness, the spiritual uh, environment that I found myself in at work uh, that just came from, again, conviction first, which led to action. And uh, definitely online has presented some different, uh, a different setting. Uh, I'm still learning, but I'm excited because we 
know the creator God who is the most creative and he has all the solutions in the world. So as I've just continued to lean on him, the Holy Spirit, uh, he's given some small ideas, um, not any uh, anything that perhaps he hasn't already shown each of you on the call. But I think as we continue to lean into him, he'll show us how to uh, to proclaim the gospel in love uh, to people who are open. Uh, well, I'll go. Um, if you if, if we are able to worship together again, which I hope is soon, you'll see my license plate. And my license plate is diddly. And the reason it's diddly is because in the mid-2000s, when I was working with a lot of guys, they were just rough talkers, right? A lot of joking, uh, some sexual joking and stuff. And I would always, I guess, respond in a way that made it clear that I didn't approve. And they gave me the nickname Flanders. If you've watched The Simpsons, I got the nickname Flanders. And so that is that became my sort of persona at work. And I think it, back then it was really about sort of making an objection to, uh, about behavior rather than having an open door to, to talk. And with the maturity of time, maybe 10 more years in my career, I'm in a new place with a with different team. And um, the people I work with, I work with, my closest colleagues are, one's a Muslim, one's a Jew, my boss is a Hindu. So uh, the religion discussion, uh, in some cases, just becomes very open and, and apparent. And so we can talk, and, and this is sort of, it's, it's almost like it's more available and open to talk about the gospel when we talk about what we did on the weekend or what we think about a current event, right? So if, whether it's the pandemic or, or protests in the streets, I can speak from an angle that says, well, I believe, you know, I believe the Bible teaches us this about our fellow people and what we should be doing. And it just becomes very natural to share the gospel and the forgiveness of Christ in the context of these open conversations. So the point I'm making is, I think the 10 year ago, Martin uh, was a little bit more uh, judgy uh, with, with behaviors and talk that earned me a, a nickname. Uh, the current Martin, I hope I'm learning and growing in Christ uh, is one where I feel a little more comfortable just talking about worldview that is grounded in the Bible and then the love and, and acceptance of Christ. That's great. Sandra? So I think, you know, I Lawrence, you kind of alluded to this about working from home and everybody is kind of in a different time, especially this year. 2020 has been a challenging year, to say the least. And um, I, I guess I would say working remotely for five years now, I've had no shortage of opportunities to um, have gospel conversations, but also build relationships with people and in some ways, it's also it's always almost been easier because you don't see the guy walking back and forth to the water cooler every day. You just say, hi, bye. How's the kid? Um, you actually have to be very intentional about it. So I would say one thing that I try to do, I'm not perfect at it, but one thing I try to do is to start every day with prayer, just saying, God, help me be mindful and intentionally aware of who you're putting in my path today and how I can share your love with them. And it's not like every single day I'm sharing the Romans road with someone. That's definitely true. But it is amazing if we are intentionally aware of the opportunity we have, whether that's, uh, Ross mentioned this, just listening to someone, asking questions, finding out where they are. Um, 
and building, intentionally building that relationship. So some things I've done with people is just set up a one-on-one via Zoom. I mean, Zoom is not new to me or my company, but I know to some people that's a new thing. Set up a a Zoom lunch um, and meet them where they are. You know, if they're concerned about their kids getting through school right now, listen to them. Ask them about how they're feeling and then use that as an opportunity to just slip in a little Bible verse or a little scripture about something that's helped you with. Um, I know a theme that's going on right now for a lot of people is just a theme of fear. Um, And I think that opens the door to sharing our faith about how we have this foundation that completely frees us from fear. Um, And then as Ross asks, just say, ask, how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? And then don't miss the opportunity to follow up. Right. So we have this one time conversation and that that's good. That's planting seeds, but it's good to keep watering those seeds if we can. Um, if God puts those opportunities in front of us. And then the other thing I just want to remind us is that we have fellow believers in the workplace who need to be encouraged. They need to hear the truth. They need to hear the gospel. Maybe they're not coming from a gospel-centered church, or maybe they are, and they just need some encouragement. And um, it turns out now on my team, I have more believers than non-believers, but still just having opportunities to quickly say, hey, how can I pray for you? How are things going with you? Um, even to fellow believers can be um, a good opportunity to encourage them and to spur others on and then also just encourage them to share their faith. So it's uh, really disciples making disciples and not us just trying to be the ones sharing the message. So I think there's plenty of opportunity um, in the American work setting to really reach our, our fellow believers and help encourage them to be gospel spreaders as well. That's good. So something that struck me as a question for me is naturally um, there's some people who I know that have this kind of, not not to say competitive edge, but like this desire to be great, you know, like desire to be like excellent at the work, which I think is a good thing. We want, God's called us to do things with excellence. But I guess part of my question is, is there a way or how do you know how to draw the line between being so driven you know, driven at your work, driven at being excellent. Um, is there is there like a is there ever a time where that comes into contrast with our call to be passionate followers of Jesus? Does that make sense, or can they always go together? Is there a point of dispute? Is there a point of tension, or is there a point of contention? Does that make sense? And how do you recognize and how do you know about it? And what do you do? I'll, I'll you stumped say, us. I'll, stumped us. <laughs> I'll raise my hand and just say. Um, I definitely haven't solved this. I I think let's just talk about the, if we don't get this right. Um, I don't feed my soul enough. I don't read enough. I don't meditate, pray, reflect enough. Um, because there's always way too much work to do. So to be excellent, uh, to me, a lot of it just feels like being competent, right? It's like, I want to be good enough. Sometimes it's about getting to the next level. How can I achieve that next level? So there is that tension. Um, how do we know when to relax and, and let other things go? I, to me, here's, here's the solution. Schedule the things that are important and let work fall in around it. So I'm, I'm so glad to be involved in the citizenship ministry that Joy McHale leads on Tuesday nights. That's a priority. My meetings calendars blocked those evenings. I got to prepare. I got to be there. Um, I'm mentoring a kid at the local elementary school. I block time for that. 
I'm helping a neighbor, you know, I block time for that. So the ministry that I'm involved with, I schedule and then work has to fit around that. That's a good advice. Scheduling what's important first. That's good. One thing awesome. I might one thing I might say is I, I think of a Tim Keller quote where he says, "If you want to know the idols of your heart, don't look to your dreams, but your nightmares, the things that you're most afraid about losing." Then that might show more than the dreams that you have, because I think it's a healthy thing to dream to be influential in the world, to dream to have a platform for the gospel, to dream to master your craft. Uh, Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years, lest we forget, but well, not since birth, but you know what I mean? Uh, but if, if we, I think, look at the nightmares or the worries, the, like Sandra said earlier, if we're worried about something, you know, being taken away from us, can we still say, if my job is taken away, I will still fall on my face every morning and praise the Lord for his grace. If my family's taken away, same question. Um, so I think that can be a helpful diagnostic. It's a good question, Lawrence. So one of the things I was thinking about with this question for me is this idea, like you were saying, Marty, of like, um, how do we know? It's tough to know. And I think for us, I think one good way is that if you're in family and if you're in community, they'll often help you. You know, if your wife is telling you, uh, I haven't seen you in a while, then probably you're prioritizing work too much. If your kids are saying, I don't really know what you look like anymore, you, you know, you might be prioritizing work too much. But it's so easy to do because it's easy to justify. It's easy to say, well, I got to provide for this. I got to provide for that. Uh, I can give more to giving. I can, my kids need uh, braces, whatever it may be. It's easy to fall into that. But I think when living in a community, when you have godly brothers and sisters and family members who can say, can speak into you to say, hey, you know, maybe one of my best, one of my closest friends, I um, just love him to death. And he's just a hard worker. I respect that so much about him. But at one point, I just had to just call him up and say, hey, you know, I respect how much you're working. You're doing so well to provide for your family, but at what cost? You know, your kids don't know you, you know, and I know you think just work really hard for 10 more years and then you'll be done with this. But I'm like, what, that, what, what values those 10 years? That's infinitely of worth, you know? And so having community and brotherly brothers and sisters to call you out to say, um, to, to communicate to you, sometimes it's just not worth that next level of excellence. Because I want us to make you understand that we need to find the tension of being excellent because we want to be excellent. But we also want to be excellent first. I, for me, I'd rather first be excellent as a father and husband than I want to be as a pastor first. You know, I'd rather be excellent as that first. You know, so like you were saying, I think Marty is that prioritizing and making it a schedule, like the way I would a schedule for work, I need a schedule in my life um, that God called me to. So I love that piece of advice. That was good. Um, so one of the concepts, one of the things that I'm passionate about, I love reading and learning about, and actually Ross and I went attended a conference kind of learning more about this, is this idea of using the business field, something that's kind of a universal across the world uh the idea of work and businesses around the world that kind of translate from country to country as a means of advancing the gospel around the world. And this kind of, there's this, uh, this term that was created called business as mission, right? So it's this idea of using businesses as a platform of um, establishing missions uh, around the world. Um, also using businesses as a way of providing dignity and jobs to places that need it. So really quickly, Ross, I'm going to put you on the spot. Will you give a quick, idea and run that in your mind of what, what does that mean business's mission? And then I want to ask all of you guys some follow-up questions based on that. For sure. Thanks, Lawrence. Business's mission for me 
one thing that really excited me about business's mission is actually seeing it in scripture, seeing examples of it in scripture for me shows the validity of it as it does for, for most things through the lens through which I view the world. But we see, you know, Paul, he would make tents and it seems like he did it in a strategic way uh, in times to get access to certain people, Priscilla and Aquila in the book of Acts. And then another thing I love is later in the book of Acts in Acts 28, Paul, I think it's 28, he, he had been wanting to get to Rome and sure enough, he eventually gets to Rome and he's greeted by the brothers. It says like the brothers had greeted him. So this pioneering missionary was amazed to see that marketplace believers had taken the gospel faster than than he himself could could take it. So when I think of business's mission, I think of, of those two things. Basically, you know, you could summarize it, doing you know what you do for God's glory, but doing it somewhere in some way strategic for the mission of God, um, doing it in a way that advances again the mission, which Sandra said, Matthew twenty eight, eighteen to twenty, the Great Commission. Uh, that's why we're why we're all here on earth. Not the only reason, but uh, of course, as we want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we also want to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's what I think of when I think of business as mission in a nutshell. So this idea of taking whatever God's what God's gifted you and called you to do with business and doing it in a strategic place in a strategic way. I think the word for it is like the idea of strategic and intentional. You know, so if God, for example, given you a gift of entrepreneurship or given you a gift of accounting, maybe then God also might have given you a calling or a heart to see if you can use those gifts in another country that maybe doesn't have the same amount of Christians as this country has. You know, um, so for example, another idea might be like a country like, um, we'll just say Malaysia. Um, a country like Malaysia would be, is, which is kind of a closed country right now, would be a strategic place where they're looking for new startup businesses, new tech businesses in particular. So moving there and using your, you know, maybe your computer programming or your entrepreneurship or whatever, maybe I was just invited into a call with a bunch of guys who are looking to uh, open up a bunch of gyms in Malaysia. And so they were looking for investors in America to invest into this uh, building gymna- like uh, workout facilities and having them managed and run by Christians so that it's an op- avenue for getting some new Christians with visas in here to share the gospel, but also be run in such a manner that the work is excellent, the workplace is excellent, and they can share the gospel in the workplace. So it's an interesting idea. So what I, I, with that question, what I wanted to ask is, have you guys ever thought of um, examples or, 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 or ways of um, expanding businesses' mission? Is that something that, that you've thought about? So like I really specifically, I know Ross really has. So I'm kind of focusing a little bit on Ross here because I, I know that's what he's called to. Um, and so Ross, if, 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 what is your experience with businesses' mission? What is that you're hoping to do with it? I think – For me, uh, I I definitely see that there are places around the world where people with our skill sets, whatever they may be, are wanted and needed and desired. You talked about Malaysia, Lawrence, Kuala Lumpur. I know it's a city that's been on our church's heart. Uh, And I, the Lord has has told me to go to London to transfer with the current uh, company, current job I have to work out of our London office uh, because, you know, God opened up a door and there's a team there that's already making disciples and really seeing God move among the workplace. But I think it's, it's amazing to see the 1040 window. We talk about unreached people groups and see the need for markets uh, or the emerging markets that, that are there and people with our skill sets are, are, are being wanted to come or are wanted to, to come and make an impact. But also I think of uh, what is your reason for being in the country? I've seen a lot of missionaries who do tent faking 
if I can use that tongue-in-cheek phrase instead of tent making. So they basically have some sort of shell company thing that they do, but realistically, they're not they're not really doing that. They're really there to share the gospel. But if you can say instead, I am here to work as a financial analyst for God's glory and to make him known, to make the love of Jesus known. Uh, I know a friend in Morocco, actually, a lot of with coronavirus, a lot of people who were there on tourist visas were kicked out of the country, but he has a business visa and he's there and he's able to have some longevity while he continues to make the Lord known. So that's what really excites me, I think, is seeing how companies, the, the way God's designed the world, that companies can actually be used to accelerate and fulfill the Great Commission. So one exciting thing is as you're listening to this is that maybe God's calling you to look into business overseas and strategic locations, but also maybe God's calling you to look into the business and workplace here um, in America. I think one of the things that um, for me as, as somebody who also started a business, uh, started Sushioki, uh, our desire in starting that was to be a, a Christian workplace that provided jobs for people that might have a hard time finding jobs and to have a create a culture of of what we believe to be Christian ideals um, and to speak Christ into people's lives. Um, and it was kind of our way of trying to be creative in business to be successful in business, but also impact the community. And so what I want to ask the three of you, one of the questions I have is I feel like when it comes to public works, when it comes to serving the community, when it comes to kind of, I feel like for some reason we're stuck in the old school, same models, you know, like a lot of these, a lot of these clubs or a lot of these organizations out of the helpful things that help kind of do the same old thing, right? But if you look at the business world, they're always renovating. They're always innovating. They're always changing. They're always thinking about what's the next thing, what's the next most effective thing. They're trying to get better and better and better. Is there a way to – do you think – is there a, a way to kind of cross – I don't know, uh, merge this idea of of the, the business world with helping the community, using business to lift the community up or thinking creatively uh, in ways that I think is mutually beneficial for the business world as well as the community and lifting up the city. Does that make sense at all? Is that a difficult question? If it is a difficult question, yes. But if you have any answers, please feed into it. Again, I, I, it poses questions for me. I, I think yes. I think there are there's a continuum here. I, I'm just going to cite a negative example here. I'm aware of a Christian businessman in my county, well known in the in the in the county and in the industry, as being a Christian and wanting to have a Christian workplace. I mean, everyone's required to attend a Bible study and the whole deal. Okay, but he's also known to require his staff to work 14-hour days. So um, so there's this you know he because he needs and wants to be successful to create jobs, and so. That what, one of the things that makes me think about is, do we, do we really have to create this boundary that says, well, it's a Christian business because it has, biz, it has Christians in it, or they have a Bible study? Or can we say, like, I can probably kind of work backwards. I work in cybersecurity, which means that I can help my healthcare customers uh, have lower operational costs, which means that they can offer lower cost healthcare to the community and more people can get better. So I can feel good about that as a mission um, in bringing skill and business discipline to that problem. And it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not only helping the Christians here, but I can get excited about that and I can believe that I honor God by doing it well. Absolutely. I love that. I think, I guess, I guess the question is more along the lines of, can we bring the innovation that the business world has to the idea of, of, of helping the community out. You know, can we, are there ways to help with businesses 
to help advance the community, advance people, the vulnerable populations in the community. Does that make sense? Can, can you guys think of anything like that or any, uh, any ways of even feeding into that? Go ahead, Ross. Yeah, yeah, I can share briefly. So I used to work for an organization called Hope International, which is an excellent Christ-centered microfinance organization. And there I really saw what uh, a hand up instead of a handout can look like, that they're looking to provide jobs, whether through microloans, uh, business opportunities, or savings groups that are both discipleship environments for people to to learn, like Marty said, it doesn't mean you have to be a Christian if you if you want to be served. That's that's not it at all. But it's a way to help people, give them something that they genuinely need, but also doesn't create dependency or paternalism. You know, helping someone when they actually can help themselves, and and that's maybe one way that I've really seen um, things go well. I really have nothing but good things to say about Hope. The idea is asset based community development. So, what assets do they already have? What do they have in their hands that they can use? To, uh, to empower themselves. We know that the dignity that, that jobs do provide. Um, and Lawrence, you know that well with Sushioki. I love that. Because I feel like one of the problems that I think we run into is, is this idea of like the community has thought of itself as like you, you have like you have to have a successful business here and then you have help out people here. And I was wondering, can you, can you have a successful business that also helps people? You know, like kind of, is, there, is there a merger there? Can you, can you do both? And I believe there. It's I believe the answer is yes, you know. But I, I, was, I was just wondering if is that is that the case? Am I right on that? Am I wrong on that? What do you guys think? I mean, I, I, of course, I think I think that's true. The practical reality I have seen is that in many cases, for, so for example, a Christian organization is often looking for efficient. I mean, they're 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 dealing with smaller budgets. So they're going to try to find the most efficient way to do things. I'm a technology guy, so I'm going to try to find a way to bring technology to every problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're, for example, I think Waypoint is doing a great job br- bringing a worship experience and Zoom and participation into worship. Um, and you think about those that have been shut in, who have been homesick for years and haven't been able to come to church. We are, we've created a better experience for them, right? Because the, the pandemic forced us to, to get creative with technology. Um, I think I think we have to do better here, but we have to find a way to do it in a way that is affordable. Um, and whether that means we can donate equipment. In fact, uh, just as the p- pandemic broke out, I worked with my company to find ways to give away you know, software and hardware to local community that needed it to help them you know, be able to serve the community. So I think we can do better here, but I, I think you, we're always working with tougher budgets. I agree. I completely agree. And even like just being real with Fushioki, the idea of of paying what we started off the level that we were paying our lowest employees was always just higher, you know. And so that created a, a lot of difficulties initially because we weren't sure if we were going to make it initially. And thank God that because we did make it initially, and that higher wage allows us to keep people longer, it actually becomes ends up becoming more efficient for us. Hmm. So that higher wage actually ended up saving us money in the long run, but in the, the short term, it was much more difficult for us. I love that, Lawrence. I'm reminded of just I'm reading through the Old Testament and seeing how this theme of God says, if you obey my voice, if you listen to me, it will go well with you. It will you will prosper in the land if you don't mix with other nations, if you don't bow down to idols. And it's that same principle. I think it it seems counterintuitive, like 
but we're giving away more money. We're paying people a higher wage than our competitors. How, how does that make sense? But I really do think God is pleased by that and delights to, to bless us when we say, I know this doesn't make sense rationally, logically, but that's not the lens, the only lens that we view the world. We view the world through the lens of faith. That's good. So what word of advice would you give to, to people who are right now um, trying to figure out their calling vocationally when the workplace, people who are maybe starting out their careers, people who've been in their careers for a while, but just now discovering that, that their career is more than just a place where they go on where they hate to go, you know, or, or they dread going on Monday. What advice would you give them to how, how to approach work, how to approach um, advancement, how to approach um, where they're called to work and where they're, what, what they might call, be called to do? I feel like we haven't heard from Sandra in a while, so I'll try Sandra. Her out. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that's a lot of, th- those are a lot of good questions, Lawrence. Um, I, I think the first thing is, you know, you mentioned kind of the what, which is, okay, so I got to figure out a way that I can earn a living, a way that I'm going to, you know, have a vocation. So what am I interested in? What what comes naturally to me? What am I interested in in school? What are my favorite things to do? Do I enjoy helping people with this? Or do I enjoy working with numbers? Or do I enjoy working on processes and programs? That's a sign of what God has gifted you with. And um, then asking him and uh, just for the right doors to open. And I, I, I agree with Ross's um, mentioned earlier that, you know, the Lord will bless and it will go well with you, but I can't promise that the road will be clear or easy. If I look back to myself 15 years ago, which is when I started in the professional workforce, um, with what I went to graduate school for and everything, I would be laughing at what I'm doing right now because the actual what is, it's not really about the actual what it can be. God can use part of that but it's really the why it's why am I doing this and why, why do we go to work every day? And I, I think there's two reasons. One is obviously because God has called us to work. It's very clear um, in God's word, you know, and he even mentions it, obviously it comes up in Genesis that we, we are created to work and that's how he, um, you know, has built us to, to do that. So we shouldn't deny that. And then I think the second thing is, understanding how God is going to use that just as he would use anything else, just as he would use relationships or just as he would use your talents or just how he would use exactly where you're living or um, any, you know, your family relationships or friends or your sports or anything that your hobbies that you're interested in. It's understanding why God has put you there and recognizing that he's put you in a specific place for a specific time, for a specific reason. Don't question that. Embrace that and ask God how you can, how he can use that to glorify himself. And, and I think when you look through those lens of it really is not about me or the what so much. It's more about how is God going to use this um, and why and how can I glorify you, God, today? And it's not necessarily like the big, I mean, I love the big ideas that were thrown around earlier. Those are amazing. And to hear the strategic um, tent making and things, those are fantastic things that we should think about introspectively and really meditate on and figure out, are we called to do that? But some of us just need to wake up every morning and pray, God, who can I pray for today? Who can I influence today? Who can I be a good witness for today? And that would be my advice is just view, try to view your day through 
through his lens and through his love. And it's really not about us. Marty. Take myself off mute. Um, I, I think to, to figure out how do we get our, rouse ourselves out of bed and, and do well during the day, I, we all, we should all have opportunities to build relationships with people where we just really care about them. Um, and, and I think discipleship is relationship. So if we're going to know people, we should have a moment here and there to just hear about their day, their weekend, their priorities, what's going on in their life. Remember long enough to pray for them, follow up with them. Um, for me, uh, it has been not only pursuing relationships, but enjoying relationships, just really enjoying the people with whom I work, uh, being glad to pray for them, celebrate success with them, grieve loss with them. And, um, and be in all of that, to know that I'm ministering to them um, and had taking every opportunity to speak Christ to them when, when the time comes up. So a lot of the reason I get out of bed is because of those relationships. Mm. That's great. Ross? I think it is really important, like both San, San, Sandra and Marty have said, uh, to yeah, just definitely bring the Lord into work. I heard someone once say, every day with, with God is take your kid to work day. He's always taking us. Um, but sometimes it feels like, you know, we forget to bring him or we forget to acknowledge that he's already there. So I think praying in the morning and saying, Lord, what are you doing today through my work? Is it something you want to teach me in solving a problem? Is it something that you want me to do to, to love someone, but, but really not starting the, the morning, starting the day, whatever your work schedule is without, prayer without saying, God, I need your perspective because Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. So we really need to, to know, father, what are you doing? And it really might just be a day of work. You, you don't talk to anyone during the day and you work as worship and you're listening to a sermon. You're worshiping through music. You're just worshiping through your spreadsheet, whatever it may be, uh, not worshiping the spreadsheet, worshiping through it, I said. But uh, yeah, I think just the days that I don't start the day aligning my heart to the Lord versus the days that I do, it's just such a stark night and day difference. And so I think that's definitely priority is just getting on, you know, alone with the Lord in the morning and saying, Lord, I need your perspective uh, for work. So I'm going to call this, uh, this podcast episode worshiping through your spreadsheet. So just to let you, <laughs> let you know, um, I good. think that's powerful though, because I ultimately, the idea is we, we created a, a, such a sacred and secular divide in our world, you know? And, um, so I just love the fact that what we're talking about is making that combined into one. We're not divided. We're whole people, you know, sacred. There's no sacred, secular divide amongst us. And work is sacred because God's called us to it. So guys, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really enjoyed spending so much time with you guys. You guys gave so much wisdom and insight. Really, really appreciate all that you shared with us. And we thank you for the way you edify and lifting up the church. And we thank you for the way you glorify God in your workplace. Um, everybody who's listening, um, Marty, Sandra, and Ross, I'm sure if they're if you ever want to email them, ask them any questions, I'm sure they'll be – I'm going to volunteer them right now because I'm a jerk. And uh, they'll, I'm sure they'll love to answer any questions you have for them. Guys, thank you so much. And for all of you listening, I hope you guys have a great day. God bless you guys. God bless. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you.